Today on Elliott Wave TV, I'm joined by Mark Galashevsky, the editor of Elliott Wave International's Asian Pacific Financial Forecast and contributor to the monthly Global Market Perspective. Hi, Mark. Nice to see you. Hi, Alex. So in looking at Australian stocks, they've been modestly bid and, as you've recently pointed out, just bumped up against a very important long-term trend line. So in your view, has that market topped? Well, the All Ordinaries is bumping up against a long-term resistance line, uh, uptrend line, drawn from the 1974 low in the index, in fact. Uh, as to how much of a ceiling that uptrend line represents, I will let subscribers read about that in the May issue. But one piece of evidence that we consider in the newsletter that uh, I can discuss here today is uh, Westpac's leading index of economic conditions. The indicator hit a record low in late 2016, and that gives you an indication of how bad things have gotten in Australia recently. Um, it's important to consider how stocks behaved after the indicator hit record lows in the past, and we discussed those precedents uh, in the May issue in the context of the wave count for the All Ordinaries. Now, Mark, the Kospi index has been lagging many Asian markets, given that it's been range-bound for the past five to six years. Now, it's finally broken out to the top side, despite tensions with North Korea, despite the recent presidential election. So what's your longer-term view for Korean stocks? And do you factor in these external issues into your analysis? Well, I'll address the second part of that question first, Alex. External issues in no way influence our forecast for South Korean stocks. In the case of South Korean stocks, uh, the long-term patterns are indicating that the uptrend in uh, the market is far from complete. But as to how much further prices will rise in the intermediate term, I address that uh, in greater detail in the recent issue. And how many Japanese assets have been moving in tandem for the last 12 months? For example, dollar yen, stocks and bonds. But you've managed to stay a step ahead of these presumed correlations. So in your view, is intermarket interplay actionable or even sustainable? Uh, actionable, yes. Uh, as to sustainable, um, I will say that we at EWI understand that intermarket relationships are temporary market phenomenon. Uh, that is, they, you know, in this case, the three asset classes are trending together, but those correlations will eventually break down. And indeed, the long-term patterns in the three indexes do indicate that, the, that they, the correlation will break down in the future, but for the moment they are trending together, and in which direction that trend is headed, I will let subscribers read about that in the May issue. And Mark, the last thing I wanted to mention is that the Asia-Pacific financial forecasts, which you edit, and global market perspective are now offering regular coverage of not just stocks, but of currencies and interest rates for major Asian-Pacific markets. That's right. We offer monthly coverage uh, for currencies and interest rates and stocks in China, India, Japan, and Australia, and on a quarterly basis, all three asset classes in Hong Kong, Singapore, South Korea, and Taiwan. And looking specifically at the Hong Kong dollar, which is pegged to the U.S. dollar, you don't currently publish on that currency relationship yet. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. That is the one exception. But we do monitor it internally. Uh, you never know what's going to happen with China increasing its influence in the region. And speaking of China, one thing that you speculated in the past is that if the Chinese yuan were to continue falling to parity with the Hong Kong dollar, uh, China might merge the two currencies. Is that still the case? Uh, yes, it's just speculation for now, but uh, it would send a strong political message to Hong Kong's pro-independence camp. Well, Mark, thanks for taking a couple of minutes to offer these insights. Okay, Alex, thank you.